0: praying just before worship kicked off this morning, I said, I feel like we're going to sing old songs, but it'll be like a first-time encounter. It felt like that today as we were worshiping the Lord. There were some old, familiar songs and words, but there was like first-time encounters happening in the room. It was very, very, uh, very special of the Lord to, to meet with us like that this morning, and so I want to say thanks to the worship team every week who take the time to pursue God's heart for our um, our life of worship together. Um, just as uh, the screen says there, we're going to just push in a little bit more into this uh, ongoing conversation that we're having with Jesus about what does it mean to live with the resurrected Jesus and under the power of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in daily living, in following Jesus and living the kingdom life. And uh, last weekend we we uh, touched into the whole area of of uh, part of that very naturally supernatural lifestyle is one of divine appointments where God stitches up these moments where we 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 are there, God is there, there is someone else there, and in the mo- in the midst of that, there is this moment where the kingdom comes, be it in profound and powerful ways or just very simple, little, gentle, whispering ways, but the kingdom comes and people are, um, encounter Jesus. And And uh, we looked at how, you know, uh, his. quite often we think um, unless we see someone drop to their knee, bear their heart and renounce their sin and welcome Christ, we think our our, um, our efforts aren't necessarily effective, but that's just not the case. That's just not the case. And we looked at that whole fact that the woman at the well, when she went for that drink of water, you know, she went for something very natural, um, It went for a cup of water, but in the end had a spiritual encounter with Jesus. But to get from a cup of water to a spiritual encounter that then went on to a whole village of people, and rushing back to want to inquire of Jesus, there was a whole series of steps that are involved in that journey and that out, outworking of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes those steps uh, happen very quickly in a moment, and sometimes those steps take a long time over many years. But either way, the invitation that God extends to each, and each of us is to be a part of helping people just take one more step towards God. One more step towards Jesus. We'll jump onto that first slide if we could. Thanks, Hope. Building a kingdom life. I want to just quickly refresh us here that um, we in the vineyard, um, we're naturally supernatural people. We're, we're people who are given to uh, following Jesus, building a life in him, being ambitious about that quiet life of Thessalonians that Paul talks about, inviting others into it, looking for those daily divine appointments. And one of the other megaphones that God uses through the Jesus people into the world is this thing called thankfulness. And we're going to unpack that a little bit today. Um, Before we get there, though, grab your Bible, open it up to Colossians chapter 2. Grab your Bible and open it up to Colossians chapter 2. And um, this morning as we approach uh, this little bit of Scripture here, I want to firstly talk about the overflowing things that are in our life. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that your life has got a whole bunch of things, just like mine, where we feel like we're overflowing. Um, often, the overflow, it's, it's interesting to n- just and brave just to stop and take note of some of the overflow that's coming out of our lives. Often, it's, um, it's hurriedness. That's a massive one in our context and culture, is hurriedness and rushed, a rushed life. It's overflowing for us a lot of the time. Um, there's um, uh, one of the big things of our cultural context at the moment is cynicism. That, that often flows out of our life. We don't have a lot of trust for a lot of public figures these days. We're pretty cynical about all of that stuff. That overflows in our lives you sit around the workplace coffee table or at the, at the cafe and you'll hear the overflow of that kind of cynicism and, and uh, things flowing out of our lives. Uh, you know, our media is obsessed with celebrity, the celebrity culture. It's just like overflowing the whole time. It's like who said what to who and who looked at who the wrong way and now the implications of that. I can't, I, I just like, I would just hate to be one of the members of the royal family. I would just hate it because the overflow of the cultural moment around them trying to interpret their every nuanced look or not look or conversation or not conversation, it's just, I mean, the overflow of our, of who we are. These, these are the things that, um, that are flowing out of our life. Also, um Heightened anxiety because our world now has become an unsafe place. Uh, men, you, you are toxic. You are toxic in the cultural narrative of today and never to be trusted. That—that that, I mean, you, you, you can have a giggle and a laugh about that, but if you're a bloke, that's a very hard thing to live under. Very hard. Because what it does is it drives you into isolation and passivity because whatever you have to bring is considered toxic. That, that, that's what's overflowing. It's flowing in our streets. It's flowing in people's hearts. Um, the world's unsafe. Everything is, is, is on, on alarmism, is, is the word, unprecedented and alarmism. Everything is heightened. That's flowing through everything and everyone right now and in the spiritual powers that are going on around us, our homes are more full now. Our homes are more full now of material things than any previous generation. And yet our garages, we can't even park our cars in them because of all the junk we've got. We are overflowing with material stuff. That's why Facebook Marketplace is just like, it is like a hot thing, you know, it, it, t- the turnover of stuff that's taking place now. The, uh, it used to be the old trading post, you'd have to go and buy a paper and look up the back of it and who's selling what. But now Facebook Marketplace, it is just like moving volumes and volumes and volumes of all of the stuff that we once thought was super important and that we couldn't do without but is now ratified and classified as disposable junk and I might get a 20 for it. That, that's kind of what our lives are overflowing with. Mental fatigue, relationship fitness is worn down, spiritual vitality is squeezed and pinched. Um, and for a lot of people, the Jesus people, um, the whole idea of trying to have a public faith now is really contested. And I just want to say these are the overflowing realities that you and I are living in. And you're, we're all aware of that. And yet at the same time, Jesus in, in, is pouring out his Spirit. The Father and Jesus are pouring out the Holy Spirit on us to live in a different way. And Paul writes to this Jesus people in in Colossia, Colossae. And I'll, we're going to pick up on that in chapter 2 in a second. Um, but um, before we do that, last week we, we just kind of tailed off on this little conversation about a social issue that we're all dealing with right now uh, that um, uh, McCrindle Research in Sydney has has coined as HOGO. Once upon a time we lived with FOMO, the fear of missing out, but now we, or or then we moved to JOMO, the joy of choosing to be able to miss out. uh, But now we're living with HOGO, the hassle of going out. There is a, there's, there's a, a massive thing right now in context and culture that the idea of mobilising yourself, organising yourself to be able to go out and be with other people is now a hassle. It's a mental, physical, relational, spiritual dynamic that you wouldn't think is at play, but it is. You, Nicole and I were watching the telly the other morning when we were having a cup of coffee and you know did you know Australia's biggest religion is is all over the media right now struggling with hogo I'm talking about AFL football Australia's biggest religion that is Australia's biggest religion Australia spends more time energy and money and resource on AFL or any other sport you want to name than than you know that's that's our priority as a culture and they are the 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 CEO and all of the marketing groups of AFL Australia and all those that are trying to run local clubs, they're all screaming at the fan base at the moment because no one's turning up. No one wants to turn up. They can't be hassled. They're 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 doing their interviews, they're doing their check-ins with their data, but their base and they're like, why is this? Well, part of it is obviously because of COVID. People are wrestling with physical health. Others have got the flu. Um, but the majority of reason why people aren't turning up to the AFL, Australia's biggest religion, is because it's a hassle. Can't be, can't be bothered. Rather stay home, watch it on the big screen, the comfort of my couch, in my jammies, with a glass of red or whatever your favourite drop is. Uh, this, 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 this thing is is hitting every context be it you are a small business, be it you are dealing with it in, in education or context, be it as if you're trying to facilitate community groups and clubs and even local churches are wrestling with this dynamic called, well, it's just too much of a hassle to go out anyway. So these are the tailwinds of the last few years. And um, in, it was interesting last week in talking with some people after we had our time together here, some people were really honest with us, and they said, "You know what? I can't even be bothered praying for other people at the moment. That's that's just the condition that we're fighting to push through." And during the week, as I met with some of our team here, it was it was really wonderful to hear one of the one of the guys on our team meeting. He just said, "You know what? More than ever, I, I just feel like we we need to fight for relationship in this moment, in this hour." And I was just I was just like, "That's it." That is exactly what it is. And God is fighting for relationship with people. And Paul writes about that. So let's jump, uh, hope, we'll jump across a couple of slides to the first, um, the first Bible reading slide there. Colossians chapter 2 verses 1 to 14. And this is, uh, this is Paul writing to these Jesus people. And he says this, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you. Is pushing through the hogo. How hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who who have not met me personally. My goal is that they might be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they might have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they know may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I tell you this so that no one will deceive you by fine sounding arguments for though i'm absent from you in body i am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in christ is so then so then just as you received jesus christ as lord continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. We'll jump onto the next slide. Thanks, Hope. For in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And in him, you've also been uh, circumcised Uh, with a circumcision not performed by hands, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead." When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins and having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities that made public spectacle of them, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. By the cross. So our key verse back there is um, verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. We'll jump onto that next slide. Thanks, guys. I just want to, you know, Paul does poke here at a few things quite deliberately and intentionally about having a life that's grounded or or rooted or deeply connected into. He talks about having a life with Jesus that manifests in in an ongoing building up, empowering life. He does talk about it becoming stronger and healthier. But let's just for a minute here take a Uh, A snapshot of what uh, Paul's looking at here. Paul is writing to a group of people, Jesus' people, who have received and are learning to continue to receive the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let's just stop for a minute right there. Let's think about you know, Paul was making an assumption with his audience. I don't want to make that assumption. But I will want to ask the question, when, when did you receive Jesus as Lord? And when was the last time you stopped and remembered the moment the context, what was going on when you received Jesus as Lord. For some of you, it it may have been when you were a young person, a a child. It may have been um, in in a very simple childlike way, you met with Jesus and welcomed his lordship for your life. For some of you, it may have been a a more of an an adult experience where you were, you know, quietly praying, and there you, in the middle of the night, and you said, "God, if you're really there, I want you." For some of us in the room, it may have been a, a, a rather dramatic deliverance, where the spirit of God and His kindness came upon you in power, and and, and broke you free from the spiritual powers that had been holding your life captive. And he set you free. And you welcomed his lordship into your life. For some of us, it might have been a simple moment of clarity. For the others of us, it may have been in a moment of deep crisis. Whatever it was, whenever it was. When did you receive Jesus? And the other part to that is that Paul's pointing at is here: is is, is he your Lord? Is he your Lord? I don't want to miss anyone in the room today. I, I don't. I don't know all of your stories. I don't know if everyone in the room here has been invited intentionally in a space to be able to go, you know what, I need to be given the opportunity to welcome Jesus as Lord. Make no mistake that Jesus and his kingdom does not fit into your little heart. I'm just going to welcome Jesus into my heart. No, 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 that, that's, that's not the way it plays out. Jesus doesn't fit in your heart. He does invite you to be completely born again. And he does invite you to welcome his heart in exchange for your heart. And your life does fit into his kingdom, which is all heart. (laughs) You getting the point? Often we like the idea of, oh, I just want, I'm going to invite Jesus into my heart. We like that because there's a sense of I'm big, my heart's small, I can keep that containment there. That's not the way it flies. <laughs> when, when Paul's saying, hey, is Jesus your Lord? When you received him, you received him as Lord. What he's saying is you completely surrendered your life over to the transforming Life being born again, reality of receiving a completely new heart that is actually his heart, and now you live under his good rule and reign because he's a great saviour and a a wonderful king, and he's an incredible master of life. And it's into Jesus. Make no mistake about it, the kingdom doesn't fit in our heart. It gets, a, it gets a hold of our heart, it gets a hook in our heart, but it doesn't fit there. Our heart, actually Ezekiel prophesied about this way back, way back when the people of God were in captivity. Ezekiel prophesied over them the heart of God and he said, guess what? God is going to take that heart of yours, that's a heart of stone, and he's actually going to give you one of flesh that is a, so there's this transformation of heart our heart out his heart in your heart doesn't fit in there he doesn't fit in your in your heart but you fit in his i'll give you a new heart i'll give you a new spirit I'll remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. One that is actually very receptive to the fact that Jesus is a good Lord and King. I like Nicodemus. Jesus, Jesus says, you know, Nicodemus goes and visits him in the middle of the night. And Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, I'm telling you, I'm telling you the truth here. In John 3.3, 3. he says, I'm telling you the truth. If you want to hear it, if you really want to hear the truth, the truth of the matter is this, Nicodemus, you must be completely born again to be able to enter into the very kingdom that I'm bringing into the earth. And he's, he's like, well, he's thinking very naturally, of course. Well, how, how, how do you enter into your mum's womb again? And how does that happen? He's like, no, 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 you're missing the point. You're missing the point, Nicodemus. You must be born again. God wants to come and give you his heart for yours. While Jesus does give us a new heart, and while we do receive his lordship, he brings us into his rule, his reign, his power, his authority, his resurrection, his ability to forgive sin, his capacity to love the unlovely, his capacity to love you. You enter into all of that. You enter into his lordship. That's what happens, Paul says, when we receive him. (laughs) To receive Jesus as Lord is to welcome our lives to being transformed every day, to be taken up with his kingdom love and his agenda every day as he's making everything new in the earth. It's to get caught up in that. That our lives are now empowered by the Holy Spirit and His fruitfulness and His authority flowing through our veins, our minds, our bodies, our choices, our voices. It's worth asking ourselves, even before we, you know, dig too much into this scripture, which we probably won't even get to today too much. It's worth just drilling down on this very point when you received Jesus as Lord. And it's interesting because Paul writes there, he's like, he says, the reason why I'm writing is, I want you to know how hard I am contending that you would still be receiving Jesus as Lord. It's not a one-time nuanced decision. Oh, good, we've got that soul. That soul is somehow going to mysteriously move off into the ether and enjoy an eternal well-being. There's a bigger, bigger work at play here. The kingdom of God is coming into the earth, making it like the heavens, where God rules and reigns, where sin is conquered, where death is no more, and that where people are filled with their true identity in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Lordship of Jesus, how are we receiving Jesus as Lord? It's worth stopping and asking that to ourselves. I may have done that once. In fact, I may have even got into a... A tank and got baptized and as a kid or even as an adult, or I may have actually invited people to witness that and say, Hey, this is going on. My life is completely being transformed because my Jesus is now my Lord. How this is a silly question. How Lordy is Jesus in your life? (laughs) How much Lordy does it get to be Lord? You know? I, I mean. In the way you're going to choose to spend that next bit of income that you're going to have, how lordy does Jesus get to be in that in that stewardship? How how lordy does Jesus get to be in your relationships? How lordy does Jesus get to be in the way that we choose to um, invest our our time, energy, resource, our mind into the things that we fill our lives with the overflow what's the overflow that tells us what we're investing in how lordy is jesus in the overflow wow i kind of got stuck there what's the next slide can I just pop up the next one? I think it might be about. Yeah, new heart contending. Okay, thanks, guys. I'll I'll just do this one one more point and then we'll 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 drop back around onto this next weekend together. But Paul says this. Um he says back there, he says, continue to live your lives in him. Why would he say continue about that if they aren't already in him? The reason why he's saying continue is because there's a lot of uh, dynamics, spiritual and natural, that are at play seeking that we would or the Jesus people would discontinue living in him. Would, I'm not talking about deconstructing and reconstructing faith. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about the fact that along the way, Jesus' people are continually being battered and rammed to discontinue with their faith in Jesus. That's why Paul says, I'm he says, I want you to know I am working really hard because there is so much discontinuing happening. I'm sure um, we uh, have all got our own stories where along the way, we've just gone, we've muttered these kind of things to our, our heart and to others. It's like, this is just too hard. I'm, I'm checking out. What God is asking of me seems too hard. I'm checking out. What's what's going on around me is telling me I am a fool for this. I'm going to check out. The spiritual powers that are at work um, day and night relentlessly seeking to destroy and isolate and kill off my faith. it's, It's winning over me. I'm going to discontinue. Paul here is noting that the goal of his labor is that people would continue in their faith. Because he understands it's not easy to keep going with Jesus in a context of spiritual battle. Paul, I think this little bit of scripture from Paul is a gift from God to all of us. Because what it is, is God's megaphone to us to say, I understand I know that this is not easy. He understands. Some of us here today, or there may be some of us that are no longer here today, um, that have either, we're on the threshold of trying to figure out, am I even going to continue? Or those that are no longer here have decided, I am not going to continue. I I know people who are checking out of their faith right now. They're choosing to leave Jesus. And there's many reasons for this. Pain, disappointment, broken relationships, suffering, sin, vices, demonic influences, and well-meaning voices. For Nick and I, you know, we've been sort of reflecting on a bunch of this lately. For Nick and I, we've been serving Jesus and his church all around in various places and spaces for 32 years. We love the local church. We love the glory and we love the grit. (laughs) We love it all. We've learned to walk with people through their hardest, most painful experiences to sit, to listen, to love, and to care. And we've also learned to have to live with the fact that many along the way have said, your care sucks. You don't care well enough. You know, that's that's really hard to hear, you know. (laughs) We're just... Human beings, you know, trying to follow Jesus, trying to love people. It's really hard, isn't it, when people tell you your love is not good enough? Have you ever experienced that? But I think the thing that pains our heart the most is when people choose to discontinue their relationship with Jesus. That's the... I mean, we can take the, you know, by the goodness of God, we can take the rejection stuff because we don't find our identity in the rejection. We know that that's just a megaphone of pain. It's hard to hear it, but we know that that's not who we are. Jesus tells us who we are, and we live from that place in response. But the thing that pains us the most is when people discontinued with Jesus. That's painful. I, and I, I reckon we've only got a smidgen of the taste of what it's like for the heart of God. But, you know, I, going back to that phrase of um, one of the guys on our team meeting the other night, he said, we've got to f- somehow in this season fight for relationship. I'm going to bring it back to there to finish with. That in Jesus, Paul is saying that in Jesus, God is fighting for you. He is fighting for his people. In Jesus, God is fighting for his church. In Jesus, God is fighting for the poor and the isolated. In Jesus, God is fighting for those who are in the Ukraine right now. In Jesus, God is fighting for all of those who are caught in all sorts of refugee Issues and status. In in Jesus, the overflow of God, he's, he is fighting for relationship right now. He is pushing through. And Paul's saying, hey, Jesus people, you're the ones that the Spirit's being poured out on. And I need you to know I'm fighting just as hard because that's what Jesus people do. They contend for the faith. They contend for the king. They contend for the kingdom. And the overflowing fruit of that is this life of thankfulness, not this life of if I'm somehow thankful I'm making a positive confession and all the bad stuff will go away. No, not that. The thankfulness that Jesus is with us whether on the mountain or in the valley and everything in between, that Jesus is Lord of the mountain and the valley, And everything in between. I'm thankful that wherever I am, Jesus is. And he is fighting for me and my my life and my faith. And I, under the Holy Spirit, am going to be one of those megaphones of thankfulness into a world that's overflowing with a whole bunch of other stuff. Some of us here today, we've maybe on this threshold. Yet, strangely enough, the nudge of God has brought you here today. Strangely enough, you decided to push through the hassle of going out and you got yourself out of bed and you got dressed and you came down to hang out in a tin shed with a group of people who are trying to figure out what it means to love God and walk in the earth. I want to say, well done! <laughs> well done! <laughs> You, you, this is what contending for the faith looks like at its most simple level. It means I am going to turn up for relationship's sake with Jesus and his people. And if it's messy and hard and clunky, so be it. But I'm giving myself to this because this is the way of the King. This is what it means to live under the unction and the goodness of the Holy Spirit. For those of you who've heard the nudge of God, and you might be here today on the edge of going, There's, the flame in my life is pretty low right now. I would want to say, God sees that, and he's here to breathe on you once again. He's here to bring renewal to your life. For some of us here, we've forgotten what it means to actually live in the joy of his saving grace. And it's just become a whole bunch of hard work. Again, I want to ask you, abandon that and let him love you today. Let the fire of his love lead you into life again. And for some of us, there's a whole bunch of little conversations that we've been having over the last little while about how lordy does Jesus get to be in a whole bunch of areas of our life. Today's the day. Today is the day. God is fighting for relationship with you. He's contending for you. He's contending for his kingdom through you. Thankfulness is the outworking of all of that. And it's crazy, but we'll touch on it this next, next week. But that simple posture of thankfulness, living under the lordy lordship of King Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, that transforms Communities, cities, regions, and the world. When these Jesus people live from this posture of having received Jesus as Lord. I also want to say to some of us in the room this morning, please keep, like Paul, I feel like there's a grace. The same grace that was on Paul is the holy spirit is here to impart today please keep contending for your loved ones please keep contending for your loved ones for the ones that you know are running hard from god for the ones that you know are just kind of like pushing back against god for the ones that you know are fighting for health and through suffering please keep contending For your loved ones. That the kingdom would come. Please keep contending for your children. No matter what age they are. Please keep contending for your parents. For your grandchildren. For your workmates. For your neighbours. For the poor. Please. Continue to live your life in Jesus. That's enough for me. That's enough for me. Why don't we just stand up and invite God to do what he does. Underline the bits that he wants to underline in our hearts today. We love you, King Jesus. We thank you.